Say that podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Quinn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. I'm too busy writing things down. Fair enough. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. Uh, I can't write at all, so I'm ready to go. Seems like an awkward time to make that. Is this, is this going to be an after school special version? <laughs> I never learned to read. <laughs> also joining us, all the way from Rochester to see one of the pastors crashing me at church, Lee Younger. Let's do this. Wow. All right. Well, Lee's excited, as we all should be excited. It's going to be good. We've got questions about introversion. We've got questions about forgiveness. And we've got an interview with Chad Matson, the lead singer of Unspoken, talking about their new record. Wow. Very good band. Very cool guy to sit down and chat with us. So we've got a lot to get into. But before we do that, as occasionally happens on the show, I feel the need, the halcyon call, mm. to declare an emergency. Oh, my goodness. Whoa. Did, was that it? Did you just declare it? Give me a second. Okay. I'm trying to do the words declared emergency to the Olympic theme, and I can't do it. But <laughs> I declare an Olympian-sized emergency. It's good in falsetto. I, I wish the oh, I, wish, I wish the podcast listeners could see Matt's delighted face as Glenn is doing our his video, our, this, pod, this podcast would benefit from being video. Normally, that would lead to people leaving in droves, but right. to get Glenn's the face performance on yeah. the, the trumpet, there. he is committed to the bit. Yeah, yeah, I was really into it. It's a good thing that Lee broke in because that could have gone on for the rest of the show. <laughs> That's it's right. a long piece of music. I know the whole thing. So. so not only do we have an Olympian emergency, because as you're listening to this, as we're recording at the Olympics are in full swing, as you're listening to it, I think they just ended the Summer Olympics. But I also declare a marketing opportunity mm. emergency. Oh, I like that. So here's the thing. You've got the, uh, the Summer Olympics, obviously, every four years. You've got the Winter Olympics mm. to fill the intervals. So we've got some free years here. Mm-hmm. And uh, the TV ratings are huge. I think, you know, Rio spending billions of dollars. So I'm thinking some niche Olympics. Okay. Mm. Okay. And since we, we, we know what we know, I think we can get in on the first ever Christian Olympics. Ooh, I like wow. that. Now you ask, is this just Christians competing in the normal Olympic events? No, because A, they can just do that anyway. Mm. And B, super boring. And also, we don't want this to be like christian movies where it's people who are worse at the event but they're yeah. just christian like whoever the kurt cameron of track would be and you know <laughs> he runs a 25 second 100 meters but he's getting funded by a mega church or by yeah. who he is we don't really want to do that right so, but what i'm thinking and i think you guys can help me out with this is specific events okay right that would kind of you know in the the old the old days of you all the way back to the greek olympics if they were kind of you know these were the skills that a, a man mm. of a Greek man should have to be able to run fast and wrestle and endurance and all that stuff. So these, you know, kind of what, what are the events that this is what to be able to do all these is to be the Christian person. Mm-hmm. And I've got some ideas. I don't want to spring this nice. on you guys. We pull some others. So I've got synchronized side hugging. Ooh, that's yeah. Good. And as we all that's know, good. 
The awkward church side hug is when one person thinks, have we moved on to the stage where we can go full hug? Right, right. So one person away. Right. Or we kind of, we don't sync up side. So right. just that perfect moment of shoulder and hip meeting. Right. Yep, side yeah. hug. That's good. Right, right, right. You have right. some, you know, some tinkly music in the background, but you get mm-hmm. points for, you know, synchronicity, you get points for, are we symmetrical and all these kind of right. things. That's, that's a right. judged that's event. Then I, I've got the exegetical relay. Oh, that's good. Uh-huh. That's good. Yeah. So, you know, you start at Romans 1-1, one, one, and you exegete for six. Then you got to run and pass the baton right. to this guy, and he exegetes for the next six verses, and you kind of go until you've done the chapter. Right. That's right. I've got C.S. Lewis quoting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, now, this a tough is, one. This is dual. This is in the, in the way that they do, like, the diving or the gymnastics, because you have execution, obviously. You want to mm. right. do you get the quote exactly right? Mm-hmm. Do you say it some of the words in a trying to adopt a faux British accent without going all the way there? Wow. Mm-hmm. You kind of let those roll. Do you really feel sanctimonious if you're quoting something that's not the Chronicles of Narnia or mere Christianity? Ah. Like this is from C.S. Lewis's science fiction work. I don't know wow. if you're familiar. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, but it's then good. we also, so we have that, that execution, but we also have degree of difficulty. Right, right. How right. disjointed is this quote? From the situation you're talking about. How far about. did you have to go to tie Absolutely. it in? Absolutely. Yeah. And we can tie that in. You know, it can be John Piper quoting. It can be Matt Chandler quoting. But right. the key is this person is talking about something that has nothing to do with this right. thing you read. Right, right, right. But you're intent on jamming this thing you read into. Right. It. Very Christian. We've got the 100-meter backpedal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that could be, and this we're fleshing this out, that could be backpedaling away from something you've said. Right. But I think this particularly Christian, you know, I've put up a lot of quotes and made a lot of how I read this one, uh, this guy. Then he came out and said this insane thing. So I've got to do some distancing now. Yes, right, I really right, want right, speed right. and efficacy. And the last one I have, and I can't wait to hear what you guys have, is the rhythmic worship floor exercise. Sure. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So this is, a, this is obviously a team event. Uh-huh. We've, it, we're looking at, you know, are we all in time? Right. Are we clearing the aisles? Is everybody... Uh-huh. Kind of, is there that one person who just, like, I know everybody else is clapping, I'm not going to clap. He's going to bring your score down. Right, yeah. that's right, that's who, right. Do we have a designated person who puts their hands up, like, does the one sincere hand right. up? At, like, a time that it's not really that kind of song, it's still right, a fast right. song. These are right. all deductions. We want everyone, no one being into it. right. Everybody's right. just completely faking. I mean, the yes. worship music is awful. Right. It's cranked up way too loud. Nobody's enjoying this, but we're just right. being sincere as one. That's, good. Right. that's yeah. very good. So that's what I have. I'd love to pass this around, see what we have on the committee. Jed. Well, one of the more challenging events at the Christian Olympics, of course, is the doctrinal sharpshooting. Yeah. Uh, nice. This nice. Is, this is colloquially known as the um actually event. Nice. Um, what you do is you're able to take aim and poke holes in someone else's theology. Sure. Nice. You've got to regulate your breathing. That's the hard part. Exactly right. You got to get to a point where you're not breathing at all. Yeah, you, you got to do it between heartbeats. Exactly right. Exactly. It's best if you have no heart at all. Yes. Actually, that's the preferred <laughs> way to do doctrinal sharpshooting. Right. Now, in the in the actual sharpshooting, in some of those events, you know, there are different distances. Right. I assume this is like how well-meaning and harmless the thing that the person is saying is. That's like. The further away, like they're saying something actually harmful, you poke holes in it. That's like the fifty meters. Exactly right. But if it's someone who's just 
sincerely mean something and they say it slightly wrong right or they haven't quite figured it out yet and you just laser focus in on that that's like the thousand meter that's the thousand meter bullseye and, shot exactly right and mm. the last gold winner um at the sochi games of course was the guy that was able to take the really well-meaning dude that was just you know a hair's breadth slightly off and label him a heretic Sweet. and get him burned at the stake absolutely that's that's considered the gold standard of doctrinal right. sharp you're saying this is a there's a tradition in this event going back Several centuries. Yes, exactly right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly right. <laughs> All right. I think that's fantastic. Doctrinal sharpshooting. Glenn? Uh, well, uh, I have uh, I have several, but I don't actually know what they are. Okay. okay. Well, so well, we branding is very important. We start with the branding. We work our way back. Uh, first, uh, guilt discus. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> nice. Which I think is you write something that uh, about what's wrong with them and then throw it at them <laughs> in sure. a, on a discus. <laughs> or just... Distance-wise, how far can you be from someone and still make them feel terrible about themselves? Uh-huh, right, that's good. Uh-huh. Uh, here's another one. Uh, a liturgical pommel horse. Yeah, nice. that's good. That's nice. good. I'm not sure what that is, really. Well, Jesus rode a donkey yep. into Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So what you're doing is you're performing a liturgical re- representation of that journey right. on a pommel horse. Yeah, you're just I think that's it. great. I think also we could just do regular pommel horse, uh-huh. but you have to change altar colors in between kind of yeah. ideas. That's good. Yeah, that's you, but you can't good. touch it with your body, just Absolutely. with your hands. That's yeah. good, yeah. Uh Sermon example parallel bars. Okay, nice. that's good. Nice, that's good. Nice. I like that. Yeah. You know, that's kind of a thematic one. Sure, you know? sure. This one I think would be great. Presbyterian javelin. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> no idea what that would be. That's exactly. good. That's good. But it's decent and it's in an order. Very much so. Well, it's like regular javelin, but you have to have a council meeting before anyone can throw anything. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Like, there's not just one guy who gets to throw it. That's madness. Right, right, it's right. It's six guys, hands on the javelin. Yeah. Who have to throw simultaneously. That's right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> they, all, they all have to vote yeah. on which direction to throw it. Presbytery, yeah. as one, throws this. That's right. That's right. Uh, the last one I have is um, uh, Lutheran hammering. Okay. Okay. Because I like to uh, nail things to the door. Sure, absolutely. Nail, I like the, it. nail the theses. How far the can you do it from away? Yeah, yeah. I, like you, it. I like it. It's like the hammer toss. Yes. Only you write down your your. What do you think's wrong points. with Pope? Yeah, and then you put that on the the door, and then you have to throw the hammer at it. I like the timing very, is very, very important. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I think it's all fantastic, Lee. What do you what do you, what do you feel like for us? Well, I think one thing that we're working with here is the. Oh, that's nice. Hurdles. Yes. Nice. Um, yes. Passive aggressive hurdles. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, you you see somebody at church, they tell you something that you know is a sin, and they're kind of they seem to be in the dark about it, but you you don't want to just call them out right there in church. So you've got to hurdle that situation with some kind of a passive aggressive statement. And and so we've obviously got, you know, some scorecards to see how that lines out. I've also got the, uh, the only pastors can, uh, can participate in this event. It's the, it's the Sunday attendance triple lie. Oh, <laughs> nice. oh yeah. <laughs> nice. So, yes. Tell it. Yes. So how much many, truth. you know, how many folks are you running? So right, how right. many folks are coming to your church on Sunday morning? Pastors kind of have to, they have to have this conversation and, and, you know, how, how, how far do you up each other by that triple lie? So that's right. Uh, right. Well, you have to tell how many are there and then tell how much you don't care about how many are there, but then tell how many were there last week, but that you that's don't right. care and then tell how many you hope to have 
in the future, but that you don't care. And you yeah. have to start out by saying, this is a weird Sunday. I mean, this Sunday that That's you're right. here. Yeah, this yeah. Is, it's, uh, it's, it's not really, like this. Yeah, yeah. It was full last week. Weird Sunday. So I also think that, <laughs> that you've got to include the... Uh, the uh, the potluck four by crock pot um, yeah. Yeah. Nice. yeah yeah you know yeah, there yeah, there's yeah, yeah. it's a whole thing where you've got like a relay team of people making food for the for the potluck dinner and then the judges basically go try all the food it's it's probably the it might be the most satisfying event in the Christian Olympics and I was so, gonna yeah go so ahead uh, d- just to clarify it's one crock pot and you have to make four different things in it yeah Is that's that right what we're talking about? Four by crock pot, yeah. yeah. So yeah, you got like to have Tathlon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was going to suggest uh, some kind of Bible drill event, but a certain denomination has already made that a competition and actually. Oh, that's contest. that's not a joke as much as just a sad reality. It's just really yeah. sad. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's great. I think those are all fantastic. Lee's the crock pot thing. I think the whole. I think the f- the wor- the uh, fellowship meal subgenre, the fellowship yeah. games, yeah. is fantastic. I just, uh, interpretive casserole. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Out there, just we get, It's kind of master yeah. chefy, like yeah, random bit of ingredients and can of cream of mushroom soup. Yes, and you got uh-huh. a casserole back. Yeah, yeah. Well, now don't we need an event that covers communion? Mm. In terms that of that, feels blasphemous even for us. <laughs> well. <laughs> I mean, communion uh, you, for efficiency. Well, yeah. Like, how fast can you communion? Oh, the communion relay. Yeah, communion relay. Because yeah. oh, yeah. you're, like you're handing it off to the people that are going to the ends of the aisle. Gotta get them passing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. yeah, you, like you see what I'm saying? I like that. Yeah, because some people don't know. Do we drink now? Do we drink sure, later? Absolutely. Drink well, and there's a strategy element. Yeah. Do we have the little silver plates that, plates that we pass? Do we right. have everybody come up? That's right. Do, the denomination tear the actual bread. Right, right, right. Some right. people will say it might slow you down, but maybe you get three people tearing at once. It's a whole strategy. Do we slurp from one cup? Do right. we not slurp from one cup? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are we all immensely agreeing as one as one people in the world that slurping from the same cup is a horrible, 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 terrible, horrible, horrible idea? No matter how nostalgic it makes you feel in a really weird way and it's totally, all right, all right. totally shallow way. Maybe there's another strategy sure. a way you can handle that, like a little <laughs> tiny cup and some freaking grape juice. It's like Absolutely. putting your mouth on the whole cup. So here's a question is, can you have a diet? Diving event with a brand new believer that's essentially a baptism. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, baptism good. diving. Yeah. yeah I yeah, think, yeah. I think, you know, it's, well, it's a baptism, right. but you know, they have the synchronized diving. Mm-hmm. So it's that, but you got the, the pastor and the new believer. Yeah. Yeah. Do you renounce Satan in all the, of his ways? The triple right. back. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then, yeah, you got to you got to do the whole ceremony before he hits the water. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's very good. I you got to like hit that. your entry. That's yeah. very that's good. That's the key. Yeah. Well, I think we've got a lot to work on here, and I think um, be be looking out for Chicago 2017. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I've caught Olympic fever. Yeah, I think we're going to make a million dollars. I might have caught Olympic fever from sharing the common cup. Sure, <laughs> sure. Around. That's but, uh, just don't yeah. we don't. But, we, but I've got it though. Backwash. That's the key thing. <laughs> bad backwash is bad. You're saying Zico might be a, a a problem with these Olympics as well. I'm just saying. Uh, Come on now. Absolutely. Well, with that, I declare an Olympiad emergency off. And I think... (laughs) The emergency has a closing (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, (laughs) (laughs) Now, and I was just as as one addendum. Don't, don't. (laughs) I said Chicago 2017, but... 
you know, the first modern Olympiad was run in Athens. Is it? Right. So I think Barrington, Illinois, 2017. <laughs> Uh, Very few yeah. of you got that joke, but the ones of you who did, I enjoyed really it. Lovely, lovely. So I'm going to transition on very quickly before people realize what I said there and go to plugging Bridgebox. Bridgebox is our monthly subscription media service. If you want to support us for only $8 a month, work we do behind bars on the street of Chicago, the work Lee does down there working with the young folks in Tennessee. Bridgebox helps us hire part-time employees who are products of the ministry to multiply the ministry we do. They're doing a great job. They're plugging people in with churches. They're getting people to food programs and jobs programs. As of the uh, last couple of weeks, they are visiting residential drug rehabs on their own to invite people to the bridge. It's all amazing stuff, and you make that happen by supporting them. And not only that, but you get cool stuff for yourself and your own walk, songs, sermons, Bible studies, devotionals, and all sorts of cool stuff. So if you want to check out what that's all about, missionusa.com slash bridgebox. All right, we're going to jump to our first question here. If you have a question for us, hang out with us all the way to the end. I'll give you some ways to get in touch with us. This one came in to Glenn's blog. Mm. It is very popular. Wow. Oh, I see. I think you won that Olympic event. False humility, by the way. <laughs> Here's what I'm saying. My blog is very popular. Everyone loves it. We all know that. You know, let's just move on. Sure. It's not a big deal. So, I mean, you're stop sending me that email every it's, day. It's, it's huge. It's the biggest, the classiest website. Is it website. a gold-plated blog? It's a gold-plated blog. Are you going to make Tumblr pay for it? Believe me. Believe, <laughs> Believe me. me. Everybody says it's the best podcast. People tell me all the time it's the best podcast. That's right. All That's right. what people are saying. Huge in the Ukraine. All right, moving on. Our first question here comes in to Glenn's blog, and it says, Being an extremely introverted person, I'm cultivating relationships better now. But lately I feel like I need a lot of heart talk. My heart is not right. All the more I feel it is hard to be a Christian given the way I think and feel. I know I'm beginning to want something that is not biblical. Am I still a Christian if I am in this way? So a lot of stuff going on there. Some very specific language that kind of people pick up from different areas. But obviously, if you're an introverted person, you can relate to this. This is somebody saying, you know, doing these Christian things that I know I'm supposed to do, the community stuff, the fellowship stuff, takes a lot out of me. Does that mean I'm not meant to be a Christian? I think mm. we can. It's a good place to start off feeling this. And Lee, maybe you can start us off on this. Well, let's start with the very end of this question. You know, you, you write in specifically, and, we, and we're thankful that you write in. Uh, write in very specifically saying, am I still a Christian? We need to just kind of clear this off from, from the very top and just say, you are a Christian if you have believed in Jesus, that Jesus died to pay for your sin, rose from the dead to give you a new life with him. Period. End of story. If you've called on Jesus to save you, you are in. No one can take that away from you. You can't unearn it. You can't lose it. Jesus actually said in John chapter 5, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has everlasting life, will not come into judgment, but has already crossed over from death into life. And that's a really good place for us to start and just kind of set that foundation that if you believed in Jesus, you are in. You can't lose it. End of story. But I think we want to dig into some of this stuff that you said as far as being an introverted person. A lot of people don't really understand what that means. A lot of folks assume that being introverted means, okay, that means I'm shy and I don't like people. That's not really what introverted means. Introverted simply means that you recharge your batteries, like you, that your energy level, your your ability to kind of hang out, have kind of uh, conversations, all that kind of stuff by being alone. You have some alone time every day where you recharge your batteries and then you're ready to have 
hangout time, community fellowship, relationships, sit down and have conversations, friendships, that whole thing. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that whatsoever. It's not the same thing actually as being shy. I'm an introverted person. Nobody would accuse me of being shy if they hung out with me. I'm outgoing, all that kind of stuff. But I've got to have a couple of good hours by myself at the beginning of the day where no one is invited. No one is allowed in. That's where I get charged up, ready to go into the day, ready to have all those hangouts and conversations and whatever it needs to be. And at the same time, you say, I know I'm beginning to want something that's not biblical by wanting some, and you use the, the, the phrase heart talk. And what I would say to that is, actually, as far as the scriptures are concerned, we are a people who are um, commanded to carry each other's burdens, to mourn with those who mourn. These are very biblical principles to to have people in your life who who talk to you about your feelings, who help you work through that stuff, who help you figure out what it's supposed to be, what you're supposed to do. That's a very biblical thing. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that whatsoever. And to know yourself and know that Look, I'm, I'm going to recharge my batteries when I'm on my own. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. It doesn't mean I don't want friends or fellowship or anything like that. And then when I'm with the people that I can trust, I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to go into those conversations with humility, and I'm going to ask for help when I need it. That's, a, that's all very good stuff, and that all tracks. I mean, for me, I've got to have people in my life that I trust, who I can take doubts, fears, problems, all that kind of stuff too, so they can encourage me, pray for me, and all that kind of stuff. Really, when you kind of pull this stuff apart, biblically, you're right on track with where you need to be as far as it's okay to need people in your life to talk to. It's okay to be an introverted person and to need to spend some time by yourself to get geared up for the kind of fellowship and all that kind of stuff that we're called into. And if you've called on Jesus, you are definitely in. Nobody can change that or take that away, not even these feelings. Amen. That's really good stuff. And Glenn, maybe if I can get you to pick up on there, there's there's a fundamental question here beyond the league on in the specifics that are really good, which is, um, it, can the way I feel or act make me not a Christian? Which maybe right. that's the, the, an important point to point out here. Absolutely right. I Let's look at it this way. Um, uh, maybe we're confused about this, and it's a good time to to set it straight. You're you didn't behave your way into being saved, therefore you can't behave your way out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the behavior is not uh, the thing, uh, as Lee is pointing out here, uh, that makes salvation go, and and therefore an abundance of uh, bad behavior can't make it stop. So uh, we need to be absolutely clear on that theologically, but. Um, I think what what you're dealing with really is uh, you feel like you want stuff that you know is wrong. Uh, That is uh, not uh, an unchristian thing. That's a human thing. (laughs) Yeah. And off of that, I'd like to ask you this philosophical question. Do you get tired of being a Christian? Because I get tired of being a Christian all time the time say that dude. Yes. i'm kind of tired of it now yeah uh because it involves behaving yeah which i don't like and all. none of us are particularly good at oh right. no i'm the i'm exhausted from behaving yep and when i say behaving i mean things like not setting things on fire when i get mad 
I mean, like not <laughs> punching people in the face when they say stupid things. Uh, you know, not uh, 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 you know losing my mind and you know doing any random thing my body tells me to do, whatever have you. Uh, the the instructions that my mind and my body give to me on on what to do uh, lead me in one direction, and what call what God calls me to do is an entirely different direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're looking for someone who might agree with that thought process, if you agree with me on that, and you're wondering who else might agree on that, uh, the Apostle Paul is someone who would agree with that. Mm, right. uh, from the standpoint of uh, the thing that I want to do, that's uh, you know the the good thing I want to do. That's the thing I'm I never can get done. Uh, the bad stuff that I want to do, I find myself doing that all the time. Even though my heart is set on doing the right thing, you know, my my flesh t- takes me in another direction. But I think you know uh, we get uh, we get tired of being Christian, man. You yeah. know, we get tired. It's it's exhausting. And I think um, you you know what it what, what you want is a break. Yep. Take a little vacation. Yep. <laughs> I just let me just be a heathen and do crazy stuff. I need a heathen weekend. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, a, a rum springer, if if you will. <laughs> you know. Heathen uh, Weekend was one of those movies that was always on Comedy Central in the afternoon yeah, like yeah, from right. the 80s and had somebody who was, they kind of used to be almost a movie star, but not right. really, and yeah. now it's just running at 2 a.m. That's right. Uh, the the thing that, if I told you you could have just an evil weekend or something like that, um, you would you would be really excited. You'd start planning, and you'd start thinking about it, and you wouldn't do it. Yeah, because what would be the point and you wouldn't enjoy it and it wouldn't be you know you could tell just by thinking about it and looking at the shape and the parameter of it but that doesn't mean that you're not tired Uh, and uh, I you know this is this is the point I'm trying to make is I think people are growing and moving forward they're tired from growing and moving forward I think that's a sign of righteousness not a sign Mm. of, of evil that's good so I think you know I think that's very. That's a great point. It's very important to point out exactly yeah. how it applies to our, our question asker here. When this person says, "You know, I feel like I've been doing better at this stuff, and it's taken a ton out of me." Does that right. mean I'm not meant to do this stuff? So you're saying right. almost the exact opposite. That's that right. means you're doing something that is hard for you, and that is is growing yeah. in the Lord. That's a sign of righteousness. That's exactly right. I think we we have to. Um, uh, I think we'll go to church and we'll see the really straight person. That's acting really straight. People who just love them some churching. And those people are always uh, what I call yippee skippy. You know, they're all happy, happy, <laughs> yeah, happy, yeah. happy, happy. And you think, well, I'm exhausted, so I must be a bad Christian. Mm-hmm. You're just a real one. Yeah, that's right. the that's the difference. So uh, I'll hand it off to to Jed. But I think that's that. I think we want to adjust our expectations of ourselves off of that. That's a fantastic uh, place to go from. We have adjusted expectations. We also need some honest expectations of both ourselves and what God expects from us, right, Jen? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you want wrong things? Me too. Uh, that's right. all of us, man. Yeah. I think if you want to do the most righteous thing you can possibly do, that's about going to God and saying, here are all the wrong things that I want. Right. Yep. Yeah. Here, here, here's my laundry list. Here's, here's the stuff I want. I can tell you in my life, my walk is its healthiest when I'm going to the Lord and saying, here's all my dumb ideas. Right. Here, here, I know I'm wrong. Here, mm-hmm. here are the things that I want, though. Here's, you had to kind of campaign a little bit. There you go. You know. Because what happens is, A, it gets rid of the shame. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah. you know, uh, they, they say in addiction recovery uh, circles that you're only as sick as your secrets. Um, so don't keep secrets from God. 
if, you, right. if you want a healthy walk, don't keep secrets from God. Um, mm-hmm. He knows them anyway, so you know, go tell him. But the other thing that happens is I think if you get to a point where you're willing to begin to listen to the Lord, I think what you might hear him say when you go through your list of all the wrong, evil, wicked, naughty things that you shouldn't have is, A, you might hear God say, I totally understand. Yep. Makes mm-hmm. perfect sense. Mm-hmm. And B, you might hear the Lord say, yes, this is wrong in the way you're envisioning it, but mm. there's a nugget of something in there that isn't wrong and mm. that actually I want for you. Right, 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 right. And I'd like to talk about how we can hook that up together. Right, right, So, right. for example, you know, Glenn's talking about what occurs to him is I get mad, maybe I should set things on fire. Right. Um, a righteous way to handle anger is to go to God and say, I want to burn this building down. Right. These people were mean to me. Right. I would like to harm them now. Right, right. Um, I think it's a fascinating point. I think it, it speaks to something a little deeper, which maybe you can go into. There's fundamentally a little bit of what we're talking to, and it, it takes a minute to get your head around it for your kind of new Christian thing, is your sin does not have the power to separate you from God unless you give it that. Right. Yep. W- wanting to burn the building down yep. does not separate you from God right. until you do the, I'm a naughty person for wanting to burn this building down, and I can't tell God about that. Exactly. Right. I think, Jed, what you're pointing to is that exact same thought can have a very powerful positive aspect because the righteous thing is not never doing naughty things. The righteous thing is taking everything to God. Yeah, the, the guilt is the whole temptation that I was trying to Absolutely. put on. Absolutely. Absolutely right. Well, let's play this example out. So you want to burn the building down. Part of you says, that's awful, and you're awful, mm. and you should go away and think about what you did. Don't, don't tell God about don't it. Don't tell God about it. Okay, that's bad. Wait till God finds, wait till your God gets home and finds out. <laughs> <laughs> that's, right. so, so that's, that's so good. That's not it. The righteous thing is go to God. Say, they were mean to me. I don't like them. I want to burn their building down. Right. If we do that, A, the devil has no more play because you've been honest with God. He can't really Mm -hmm. poke you about it anymore. B, I think you're likely to hear the Lord say, I understand. It makes Mm -hmm. sense that you would feel that Mm -hmm. way. But C, some of the time, maybe not all the time, but sometimes what you might hear the Lord say is part of the way you feel is just you being mad and vengeful, but not all of it. Part of it is a desire maybe for justice. You, you want to see things be different. You want to see people not treated unfairly. Mm-hmm. I want to see you do that. Yeah. I have a plan where you're going to work for justice. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to help other people get justice. Mm-hmm. This anger that you feel, some of it I agree with. Yeah. Some of it is me. And I, and I kind of, maybe I wanted you to experience this anger so that it would nudge you in this direction. Exactly right. Exactly yeah. right. I want you to think about that anger and think about all the people that can't do anything about it. And now mm-hmm. I want you to go be my hands and feet to do yep. something about it on their behalf. Yep. Well, all of a sudden we're off on a whole different thing. I yep. mean, we've got a sense of calling and purpose right. and passion. I get to burn things down, but for Jesus. But for Jesus. <laughs> That's the greatest news I've ever heard. But it, it we got there by being honest exactly. with God yeah. and being honest with God about our naughty little desires. Mm-hmm. So in summary, take all of it. Take all of it. All the stuff you're going to take it to the Lord and tell him about it and let him tell you what to do with it Amen. i think that's absolutely right and i think um we talk a lot on the show about listening to the lord and that's a skill you get better at and certainly the the right thing there um uh, we can also uh, expand this example out to if you have as you're talking about what you're getting better at. if you have those kind of relationships where you got uh, people in your life who you can talk to who you can kind of shepherd you through some stuff you can also, it's, you can't be quite as unvarnished with any human beings you can be with God, but if you went to a pastor, a small group leader, just an older friend, or just a friend of the Lord and said, 
they were mean to me. I want to burn the building down. You can get a version of this when a person, a good, you know, man or woman of God is going to say, I understand. They should have been mean to you. I hate when people are mean to me. Let's let's look at Romans 12 where it says don't repay evil for evil. And let's look at why that is. Let's mm-hmm. talk through this. And that's actually how spiritual growth happens. Yeah. That's And I would imagine that's how you got to where you are with you saying, you know, I because believe me, friend, I, I am actually an introvert and shy and a misanthrope. Right. I don't like people. Yeah. This hey, is the craziest sentence I've ever heard in my life. I just love meeting new people. Yeah. <laughs> what on earth is wrong with you? Yeah, that's right. That's what, crazy. I don't believe people when they say that. Enough of right. them say that. But so as as much as you got it, I and this is I'm on the other side of two decades of actively trying to get over that. So I got mm. way worse than you did. But the thing that will co- collapse this whole thing down is if you didn't do the work to get where you're going. I know you're kind of looking at this and saying, you know, I have done some things. I have come thus far to get them. I bet you got that way by acknowledging, I don't think this is, I don't think my, all my natural inclinations are right. Mm -hmm. So I have to push through that. You have a natural inclination towards guilt as we all do. That's another thing you kind of need to examine, not let it bully you and push through it exactly the same way you're doing with your introversion. And that's, Mm. that's, that is kind of where spiritual growth comes from as these guys are talking about is, looking at something, acknowledging it, and then pushing through it. Amen. All right. It's fantastic stuff. We are going to go to our Say That interview. We are joined by Chad Matson. He's the lead singer of a band called Unspoken. They had uh, a huge first album. They're kind of on the, like, K-Love Christmas tour with Stephen Curtis Chapman. They've headline tours. Really cool band. They've got a fun sound. And Chad has an amazing story. He actually, uh, in his youth, was a heroin addict which, A, we deal with a lot of stuff in Chicago, and you as a listener, if you live in the United States, uh, probably are not that many degrees removed from someone who's dealing with that because there's a massive opioid epidemic going mm. on in the United States right now. But you're going to hear a little bit of his story of going on kind of a, a mission trip to get his head right and meeting some other musicians. They started this band, and they have a new record coming out this Friday, August 26th, called Follow Through. We talked through a couple of the, the songs on the album, one including kind of an autobiographical song he wrote. He's a real fun guy, positive dude. We talked a couple of weeks ago about kind of um, pursuing your dream, and Glenn made a point that he makes to uh, Glenn and I makes the Jed and I in private occasionally that if you don't like your stuff, who else is going to? Yeah. And it's, it was cool to talk to a guy who was enthusiastic. He wants people cool. to hear these songs. He's happy with them. I've gotten to hear uh, advanced copy of the album. It's a lot of fun. So I'm going to take you to that right now. This is our, my interview with Chad Matson of Unspoken. So the, the newest album from Unspoken is follow through and where does this album find you guys as a band? What do you, where are you on your, where are you with your sound? Where are you with your subject matter? What what point are we catching you here? So this is a great season for us. We've been doing this for 13 years. And, um, you know, so our last record was really a, uh, you know, record of kind of overcoming and, you know, kind of making it through these, these hard seasons that we have. And, and this new record is, uh, I think it's a step up in regards to um, we took a lot more risks and, uh, you know, brought kind of the culture of the band. Two of us are from Latin America. Um, one of us is from uh, Bristol, Tennessee, and then two of us are from the Northeast, uh, Maine. And so we kind of, you know, we, we we got together and we, we had a lot of fun making the record. And so it's got some of that content-wise, it's got, you know, 
the struggle because all of us are are struggling in one way, shape, or form. The seasons of life that we go through, but it's also a a, a record about victory and gratitude, and uh, and seeing God kind of come through on some of those promises that He had. And uh, as people are waiting on the Lord to move, our encouragement, you know, is just continuing to be faithful and continuing to know that God is working even when we don't see Him doing what He's doing. But He's He's shifting and moving and and doing supernatural things, continuing to. And, uh, you know, so there's just a lot of uh, diversity on the record. It's a fun record. It's meaningful. Um, there's a lot of different styles from, uh, you know, it's a, it's not unspoken record uh, point two. You know, it's not, sure. it's not the, uh, a remake of the first record. It's a, it's a step up, uh, I believe, and we're super excited. There's a lot of energy on it. Um, but, you know, it's anointed by the Lord, and uh, and we're just real psyched about all the different kind of songs that are on it. So I'm excited, because I feel like our first record was, was great. People bought it, and they supported it, and that meant a lot to us. Radio played it, and, um, you know, we're just praying for the same thing, and but ultimately praying for God's will to be done. Um, but we're excited to get out playing the songs and having the songs on the air. It's wonderful. It's fantastic, man. Well, you mentioned how well the first record did, and it really did. It, it moved a lot of copies. It had a bunch of uh, chart success. It got you guys on, you know, some some big big name tours, doing some headlining stuff, touring with K Love and stuff like that. And there is a lot of diversity on this record. You know, there's a lot of different styles, a couple of different producers here. Was that was that a scary thing? Was that an exciting thing to kind of, as you said, not just you clearly had a template that you knew worked. What's the what was the experience like of really going in some different directions and seeing how people would react to that? Well, I think, you know, even our last record was diverse, you know, we're diverse. So it's like, you know, we, you know, every record we do is a, is a, uh, a reflection on who we are personally and what we're going through. Um, but this one, we just, uh, you know, we sat down and probably the halfway point, I was stressed out. We have the song, you know, uh, do we have the right producers and all of that? And I just kind of came to the point where all I can do is, is work hard and, and make the next, you know, take the next right step and, um, and then do what we do. And the Lord has to touch it. The Lord has to be in it. And, you know, ultimately God will do what he wants to do with it. So we hope that it does better than our first one. Um, but we trust the Lord that he knows what he's doing and we're just here to be faithful and serve serve God. And, and so, you know, I mean, even our first single, Higher, uh, you know, was never meant to be necessarily a single. We, you know, we, we don't really write like that. We don't set out trying to write singles. We, we never feel like they work. So we write songs that mean something to us that uh, reflect who we are. And, um, you know, hopefully we're pushing the envelope a little bit. We've got some horns on there. So it's kind of a little bit of Bruno Mars feel. And, um, you know, on some of the stuff and, you know, and so I just think it's a growth. It's not a departure. It's a growth. And, um, you know, working with the different producers, I mean, really we just set out to, to work with people we like and people that we gel with and people that have the same heart that are gifted. And, uh, so we just had a ton of fun, um, along with some frustration by, you know, and some, some worry about, you know, what songs we're going to actually come out with. But I think, um, I think the Lord really was in it, and uh, I know He was, and I know that uh, people are going to enjoy it. It's 
it's just going to be a lot of fun. I mean, I, I'm really excited for people to hear it because I think it's going to be a breath of fresh air. And um, at the same time, it's going to mean something to people. Absolutely. You, you mentioned how fun the record is. It absolutely is. And it sounds like you guys had a lot of fun making it. But was that was that fun? I guess was that fun needed in a way? Because I've, I've talked to a lot of musicians, and one of the things pe- it seems like people wouldn't guess is that first kind of big leap forward in success is obviously it's great. It's a dream come true, but it's a lot of work Were you, were you guys kind of, um, what kind of place were you in mentally and energy wise after having that first big run of success that led to this record? You know, there's just been a lot of victory in our lives and, and there's been a lot of, uh, opportunities for our eyes to be open to see that, you know, God was moving all along. Um, so I feel like this was kind of a, a reflection of that. And we just took some, um, you know, we, uh, it was just, was, it was neat working with it. You know, I grew up on 90s hip hop and R&B. You know, you've got guys who grew up on Journey and you've got uh, guys who grew up on uh, Michael W. Smith and Stephen Curtis Chapman and, and Elvis. And, you know, all of us bring something a little bit different to the table. Um, and I think that's what makes being part of a band fun is that it's not just on one person's shoulders that all of us are coming in and we're all speaking into the process. And, uh, and so we just came in, it was great to work with the producers that were, that were on board and, and just kind of coming in and saying, you know, I have this, uh, this kind of vocal riff, uh, musical riff, or what if we take this nineties, uh, kind of hip hop beat and we make something, of course, our record's not hip hop at all, but. Um, you know, it's got some of that energy and some of that kind of feel. Um, and, uh, and so we just kind of started making, making, uh, music and making tracks and, and then pulling up our, our, um, voice memos and, and notebooks and stuff like that saying, Hey, this is something the Lord's been speaking to me. Let's write about that. This has been something the Lord's speaking to me. And so there was a, there was a little bit of wonder to the whole record of just kind of seeing what the Lord was going to do and some really cool surprises, um, musically and content wise. And so, you know, it's going to be a, a record that, you know, um, is, is about victory and it's also about following through. It's also, you know, it's the title of the record. And I've, I've wanted to write a song called Follow Through Forever. And, um, you know, so we finally sat down and, and wrote it and, you know, the theme of the record really is that, um, you know, just finishing strong. A lot of us, we start this Christian walk and we start this race strong and, and then life happens to us and there's disappointments and there's, um, you know, uh, things that go uh, the wrong way or the way we weren't expecting. And, um, and so, you know, this is really a charge for ourselves and the music we write really is, you know, to encourage ourselves in our own walk and our own journey. And we know that as human beings, we're so closely related, regardless of where you grew up or, or, um, you know, what nationality you are or any of that, that we're all going through the same things that may look a little different. And, um, and so, you know, this record is really to, to encourage us to get back to the first love that we have to just having Jesus be enough to read the word, to pray, to hang out with them, to remember that that's the best part. That's what fuels our life of faith. That's what gives us the strength to get through uh, the things that we have to go through. And, um, 
And then, you know, music is that wonderful universal language that opens doors and breaks down barriers. And, you know, we're so excited to be a part of what the Lord's doing through Christian radio, through Christian music. And, um, you know, I think that uh, as you get this record, um, you know, it's really going to be a blessing um, and it's really going to be an enjoyable experience. And again, wanting not to do what, what everyone else is doing, but to put our fingerprint on it. And I mean, that's what makes each one of us, y'all listening, us here, uh, individuals, is that God has given each one of us gifts and each one of us passions, and we use those things to serve others and bring glory to God. And uh, I just think we did that on this record, and obviously all the praise, all the glory, any success, it always goes back to God. We store it up, we give it back to the Lord, and just say thank you. Absolutely, and you've you've mentioned how personal the record is, and that each of you guys are putting your stamp on it. In your case, that involves really an autobiographical element. Can you tell us a little bit about the story, kind of your story that leads up to the life and the death of me? Oh man, that's that's my favorite song on the record by far. You know, I came out of uh, drug addiction 13 years ago, and uh, and the story of the band really. I grew up in church, and so I just encourage people every time I see them I've got kids now keep praying for your kids keep praying for your lost loved ones because God is working and moving in ways we don't see he's the one that starts the work he's the one that finishes and our family and the people around us need to stay consistent and need to stay hopeful and prayerful and believing God to finish the work that he started and so you know for me that's my story but I went on a self-made missions trip when I was in the thick of my addiction just to to get sober and to, to kind of come back to the Lord. And I read the Bible every day and I prayed in the Dominican Republic where I spent two months by myself. And, and while I was there, God changed my life. And, um, and I also met Mike Gomez, who's our guitar player. He's from the Dominican Republic. And as a funny joke, I say, you know, um, I went to the Dominican Republic and, and hooked up with Mike. And then I brought him back to Maine with me as a real life souvenir, which is kind of <laughs> cool and funny. And, uh, and so we just started traveling around using music as a, you know, as a tool to preach the gospel. And, you know, we're kind of doing the same thing we, we've always done, but I've never written a song about my story, you know. And, of course, a lot of our songs, you know, if you, if you know my story, you can, you can hear that in the music that we have. Um, you know, Who You Are was close to, to my story, but it was written really, you know, for somebody else and then realizing, you know what, I need to hear this too. Um, and good fight. I mean, a lot of our songs lift my life up and all those things are, you know, have to do with my story. And, but I've never written like a specific, you know, my testimony kind of thing. And the neat thing is because we're all closely related, we're all going through the same kind of thing. And Jesus said that if a man wants to keep his life, he'll lose it. But if he wants to lose his life, for, for Jesus, then he'll gain life. And so, you know, that's really life in the death of me. I found life in the death of me. When I died to myself, you know, I started to live for Christ, and I started to actually experience real life. And so, you know, it's a really neat song. Uh, we wrote it in the back of our tour bus, started at 3 in the morning, and, um, you know, and it's just a neat song about, you know, where I saw my life going at one point and how, I found life in Jesus Christ. And so, I mean, there's just so many different songs. Another one of my favorite songs on the record is so good to me. And, um, you know, kind of getting out of my own head and getting out of all of the things that, that I wish I had and I wish were going on in my own life. 
um, I step back and I say, wow, God has been so good to me. And, um, and so there were some songs that had to be written that were written down as themes that we, that we wanted to write and, and we got to put them on the record. And then there were some good surprises that just came up like open the clouds and the cure and soldier. I mean, there's, there's just a lot of different songs on here. And I, you know, I'm, my prayer is that people get out and support it. Um, but ultimately, you know, we wrote the record for the Lord, and so he'll do with it with what, what he wants to. Absolutely. Well, as you said, it's a record that's a ton of fun. It's great musically. There's a lot of truth and a fantastic story at the heart of it. And you can find Unspoken's follow-through anywhere you buy music. It comes out August 26, 2016. Chad Madsen, thanks so much for taking the time to join us, man. Hey, thank you, and thanks for letting us be a part of what the Lord's doing in uh, the greater Chicago area. And um, you know what? We, uh, we love um, Portillo's and all the food you guys got up there. God bless y'all, and we hope to see you. All right, that was a lot. It was a lot of fun to talk to Chad. I want to thank him for taking the time. Hope you'll check out the album. It is called Follow Through. The band is unspoken. It comes out Friday, August 26th Woo. from Centricity music definitely worth checking out all right we're gonna move our final question here comes in anonymously to our tumblr inbox and it says hi i know the bible says to forgive others as christ forgave you thank you very very polite uh, to forgive others as christ forgave you like in colossians 313 and ephesians 432 i've also heard people say that trust has to be earned back and that makes sense too but is that in line with what the bible says I mean, Jesus doesn't make me start over at square one when I mess up, so is it right for me to do that to other people? I'm confused. Can you help me out? Thanks. And Glenn, can you start us off? Yes, uh, for sure. I'll I'll let these guys uh, talk about starting over from square one, Uh, but let's start with a dictionary as opposed to uh, the Bible. Uh, because the Bible's uh, my dictionary. I don't know what that means, but it sounds pretty yeah, good. No, you, 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 that was real good. Uh, it, here's the thing: is uh, last podcast we were talking about whether all lust, uh, uh, all uh, desire, all attraction is lust, uh, the, and we pointed out those are two different words that, For a reason. Ha- that have different meanings. Uh, this uh, uh, this is where we need a dictionary. The dictionary defines trust. I, you know, I cut and pasted this in. Uh, d- dictionary defines this uh, trust as assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone. And, and sh- so someone has done something to give you some sort of an assurance that you can rely on them in these ways that they have character, ability, strength, or, or telling you the truth. Uh, so what that's really telling us is that trust, the, the very word itself implies someone has done something yeah. to, again, uh, give you that assurance that you can rely on them. Uh, if someone has not done so- something to give you that assurance, if you don't trust them, uh, what you're doing is you are giving them an opportunity to screw up in an environment where they haven't demonstrated that they can handle that situation. Right. That's not generosity. That's not love. That's actually a cruel thing. Uh, we work with uh, with addicts who um, uh, who have massively messed up their lives, and they want people to trust them. They don't really want to earn it, you know. Uh, but this is the discussion that I have with them. Do you want to have more responsibility in yeah. your life? And they say, oh, no. Yeah. I say, well, that's what you're asking for. Yep. 
if this is a situation you can't handle and you can't be responsible within it, don't ask for it. Don't ask them to trust you if you can't handle that that burden. Uh, The truth is uh, giving people a space to uh, restore that trust and, 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 and give us that assurance is a kindness to them. It gives them an opportunity to, to grow, uh, and it gives them an opportunity to develop that character and develop that strength and get themselves back on track. That's a good thing. That's, yeah. I, 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 for some reason, from the way you word this and from the way that I hear other people talk about trust, that seems like a negative thing. Like, uh, if I don't give you trust, I'm commenting on you. I'm saying yeah. that you are a bad person. Uh, there are people I love that are wonderful people that I wouldn't trust five miles down the road in yeah. certain areas of their life because uh, they're not in that place. Uh, what, we're, what we really need to talk about, and I'll hand it off to these other guys, what we really need to be talking about is restoration. Yeah. The Bible does say a lot about that. When people screw up, we need to try and find some way to restore that. Yeah. Here's the thing about that. If someone has messed up with me, my part of that is a forgiveness uh, and being open to forgiving them. Uh, There's a sort of a patience element to that, I suppose, a a sense of being willing to meet them partway on restoring the situation. But uh, rebuilding that trust is their part of that restoration process. And I think rebuilding is a great word for that. You know, this idea that that uh, uh, they're 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 doing the work necessary to get that trust back. Well, it, it, sometimes you'll do that work, and the other person doesn't give you that trust in a, a very unfair way. Uh, but it's still important for you to do that, and it's still important for you to to. That's your part of restoration. The, yeah. the other person's part you can't quite deal with. But f- to 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 somehow sort of create a situation where I'm supposed to give someone trust to try and uh, motivate this process uh, because that's like judging them in some sort of way. All that really is is me enabling them to do the same crazy thing over again without taking responsibility for what it is they've done and without doing the work of the restoration. The restoration is important. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a spiritual and as well as a relational concept here. I think it's a great place to start off, and I think restoration is a very important concept in this. And Lee, I'd love to kick this to you. I think one of the misconceptions our friend here has and that a lot of people are working towards is um, people, uh, Glenn mentioned the people we work with, um, with addicts who they want to be forgiven in one fell swoop. Mm-hmm. The, we, uh, Glenn often points out to them, did you screw this up in one fell swoop? <laughs> so you can't get it back in one swing if you didn't screw it up in one swing. But there's this idea of if I am forgiven, and if you're a Christian, you have to forgive me. So forgiveness, uh, trust, and restoration, this is all there. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, hey, well, Christ forgave freely, so don't you have to. But I think it's an interesting point, Lee. I think you're going to pack this for us. Is that the way the Bible talks about trust and restoration? Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it kind of that flippant? Yeah, it's actually not. There's a there's a lot of nuance to it, and I mean, even the uh, you know we look at the verses that that the question asker mentions with you know forgive as God and Christ has forgiven you. Well, yes, we are freely forgiven for our sins, but at the exact same time, um, we are the 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 we are brought into a restored exactly as Glenn's talking about restoration. We're brought into a relationship when we apply for forgiveness. And that's right. a big thing that a lot of people don't 
understand about the forgiveness that we um, that we're trying to figure out with a lot of people that have really screwed up, uh, you know, relationships in our lives, is that a lot of times they don't have any desire to apply for any restoration of a relationship whatsoever. Right. They don't. They don't want to admit that they did anything wrong. They don't want to bear any responsibility for their actions. They don't want to. They, they, as far as far as they're concerned, it was a misunderstanding. They weren't wrong. Um, you were too sensitive, or whatever. Mm. This is not the kind of situation where you can earn back trust or or have a, a relationship or anything like that. And when we look at the, even when we look at the way that Jesus forgives, I mean, Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son, and one thing about the the story of the prodigal son was that the the arc of the story was that this dude came to the end of himself, then came to his senses, and then he got his narrow behind on a walkway back home. He came mm-hmm. home. Yeah. He had to reapply for this relationship. He he made some intentional decisions like, I have screwed this up. Now I am reapplying for this relationship. If you're in a situation with somebody who doesn't think that they've done anything wrong, they don't think that they just think you're too sensitive or whatever, you can't actually restore a relationship with this person. Now, you can forgive the thing that they did to hurt you so that you don't have to live with the poison of bitterness. Mm-hmm. And that's between you and the Lord. And that's right. a different thing from you allowing them that open gateway back into your life to hurt you again, exactly yeah. as Glenn is saying. But there's some nuance there. There's some difference to that. And even, you know, the, the forgiveness that we have with the Lord, it is free. He forgives us for free. If we want to have a relationship with him, he will give us that relationship but even in his economy, even in relationships with the Lord, there is there are varying levels of trust that he has with us. There are varying levels of responsibility. Folks who are folks who are spiritual teachers, folks who are involved in ministry, we are held to a different standard. We're going to have mm-hmm. to give an account. I mean, these are th- these are things I did not make up. These are very biblical things. There's a lot of subtlety and nuance exactly as you're saying, Matt to the arc of what it means to have forgiveness, what, for, what the difference between forgiveness and restoration, the difference between restoration and actual relationship. There, the, the, the part that trust plays in this, the part that humility and confession plays in this, these are all subtle differences. What, any, anytime somebody hurts me, I need to forgive them. Not, and that doesn't have anything to do with the person who hurt me. That has to do with me not having a bitter spirit that's going to poison my relationship with God and my relationship with other people. I need to work that out between me and the Lord. And then, basically, everything else after that depends on that other person. Absolutely. That's really fantastic stuff. And Jed, I'd love to get you to close out on this. I think there's another misconception kind of rolled up with this that we're dealing with is, uh, yes, the Bible says forgive freely. The Bible says to love everybody the way Jesus did you, and that it's clear that we are supposed to actually love everybody. But trust, in the same way that trust and forgiveness are not exactly the same thing, trust and love are not even close to the same thing. And that's the same kind of manipulation people put on it. Like, oh, if you love me, you'll let me do this, that, whatever. So what does the Bible say about trust and love? It's a great question. Uh, Fortunately, Jesus gives us a very crystal clear example. Jesus loved everyone. Uh, Jesus does love everyone. The Bible also directly, directly records instances of Jesus not trusting people. That's right. Right. Scriptures Mm -hmm. record Jesus would not entrust himself to that particular group of people, for he knew what was in the hearts of men. Right. Um, 
So the Bible is very clear that love and trust are not the same thing. But let's define those words real quick. Uh, Glenn started us there. It's a good thing to return to. Love is a decision that you make to be devoted to someone else's good. Right. That's what love is. Um, God has seen you and decided to be devoted to your good. That's what it means that God loves you. Trust is an anticipation that a person will act a certain way. Right. That's a completely, completely different thing. Yeah. Um, and it's worth noting, and this is an absurd example, but it's it's worth working through. Um, Glenn is one of my closest friends in the world. I love Glenn like I can't even tell you. I have huge amounts of trust for Glenn, mm-hmm. but I have areas where I don't trust Glenn at all. I'll tell right. you one of them. I don't trust Glenn to be able to fly an airplane. That's right. And the reason is he doesn't know how to do that. Right, right. Now think how absurd. I mean, he'd give it a good try. <laughs> I, You know what? It would uh, it, it would be something pitch <laughs> yaw etc your roll etc your yoke you got a yoke <laughs> yeah, think how absurd it would be if Glenn and I are flying somewhere as we have done plenty of times right and he says you know what I'm gonna go give the pilot a break I right. got this right. and I say well I love you so I must trust you, <laughs> right. you know, I mean that would be really super super crazy right, right I shouldn't trust that Glenn can fly that plane right. That's right. because yeah. Glenn is not a pilot That's right. Right. Yeah. Glenn would need, in a literal sense, in the eyes of the law, to earn trust yes, by right. obtaining a pilot's license. That's... And in this case... Thanks, Obama. <laughs> a... <laughs> a job as a pilot from United Airlines. Some sort of elite pilot. <laughs> yes, I understand. Ooh, what academy. Well, regulations, yeah. regulations. Absolutely. And Jed, I think it's a fantastic example. If we can pull that into... I'd love to get you to pull that into um, a less extreme example because it's, it is a one-to-one and it tells you exactly what you're talking about. You can love someone and say, I love you. I'm devoted to you. Good. I think the world of you. Um, I don't trust you with this small thing. Absolutely. I don't trust mm-hmm. you to, to that. If you say you're going to be here and we should meet that if I go there, you're going to be there. Absolutely. That's actually not an unloving judgment because you're saying you have not proven to me that you can do this thing. Exactly. So right. I don't trust you on that. That's not a, a harsh thing, a judgmental thing. I think we have such a place, such a culturally high value on responsibility to call someone irresponsible. Yeah. feels like it is inherently a rejection of them as a person. Absolutely. But that doesn't actually have to be how that rolls. Not at all. Not at all. Let's use the example you just brought up. If I agree to meet you somewhere and you don't show up, I'm happy to say, Oh, it was a fluke. Something came up. These things happen. If you do that twice, I'm placing you into the category of people who have a hard time keeping their commitments. That's right. Because you earned it. That's right. You, you earned, that doesn't mean that I think less of... It doesn't mean I love you less at all. Yeah. It does, though, mean that I put you in a category of people who are mildly irresponsible, right. at least in the way that they manage their schedule. You can earn your way out of that right. sure. by showing up when you say you will. Doesn't mean I love you any less. Doesn't right. mean that I care about you any less. And that's not judging that person yeah. either. It's not, yeah. it's not judging at all. What it means is... What I would what I would say is you know say you say lunch right you say let's it's me and Jim we're gonna meet for lunch and Jim stands me up twice in a row and Jim comes back and says we gotta do lunch man it's gonna be great well here's my response to Jim then I tell you what I'm available on Wednesday you go to the restaurant first right call me when you're there right and then I'll come over well what do you what do you say you saying you don't trust me I'm saying the arrangement for lunch on Wednesday will be if you want to have lunch with me, you go first and call me when you're at the restaurant. Right. That's what I'm saying. Well, and there's an important point off of that. I don't want to interrupt your flow. Is that 
responsible people, people who who are on the right thing with the right attitude, aren't asking for trust in an area where they've destroyed it. Exactly right. That's exactly it, right. If someone is saying, oh, you don't trust me. The only right answer to that question is, of course I don't, course trust, I don't trust you. you. Why you would I? Tr- twice in a row, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> There's the idea that you want to disregard and <laughs> dismiss your yeah. past mi- misdeeds is inherently an irresponsible thing that that means I'm on the right track to not trust you. Yes. I think that's absolutely right. I think there's another thing based off this, which is one of the reasons people wig out about stuff like that is we have in, uh, culturally, and every culture has it, we can speak to kind of Western Christian culture, These this kind of package that comes with someone as a good person. That's mm-hmm. responsibility. That's meaning what they say. I have people that I love dearly. And when they say something, like you're saying, like, yeah, we're gonna, I'm going to come visit you and we're going to do a thing. I know they're just they're just flapping their gums. Yeah, right, that's right. That doesn't mean I think they're a bad person. That's right. right. But as that's Jed right. is saying, if I love someone unconditionally, the way Jesus calls to do it, that one of the things that allows me to do is be objective, be honest about their personality foibles. That's right. Because it's not, you know, yeah, I mean, uh, Jim's a great dude, and he's, he's good to hang out with, and I, I love him dearly, but he's not showing up for lunch. Yep. That doesn't mean I can't like Jim. That doesn't mean I don't hate him. That doesn't mean I don't forgive him for previous thing. I, I categorically forgive and love. That means I can be honest about the fact that He's a great dude. He just ain't showing up for lunch. Yeah, yeah. And that, he, that's he actually a helpful in, thing. He speaks in uh, certainties when it's really more theoretical. That's uh, that's a that's a different consideration from this is an evil person that I'm condemning. So to bring all of that all the way back around, uh, you, you give people the trust they earn. But here's the thing to be on the lookout for is. People, in, as Glenn said, responsible people don't insist on trust they haven't earned. Right, they actually right. don't want it. People who insist on trust they haven't earned, maybe not every time, but most of the time, are doing that because they want to do something they shouldn't be able right. to do. Yep. Um, if someone, uh, what I can tell you for me, I won't put this on you, dear listener, but for me, if someone is insisting that I trust them in a way they haven't earned, my very strong assumption is they're trying to get away with something. Yeah. Um, That's what a hustle looks like. That's what a hustle looks like. And even if that's not true every time, it will be true so often that I can set my watch by it. Well, and that comes down to a choice. If you've done something wrong, you either want me to pay for it or you want you to pay for it. Yeah. If you want me to pay for it, the answer on that's going to be no. Exactly right. Exactly right. And here's here's a bonus thing on this. If you really want to have, you want to you know be able to make these decisions well and you know feel good about it and have some ammunition tank, you have areas in your life where you're not trustworthy. I I guarantee you do because that's true for everybody. Yeah. Find one of them and start working on it. Right. Yeah. That way, when someone says, "Well, you just act like you think with these," There's areas in my life where I'm not trustworthy. Yep. I'm working on learning how to be more responsible. Right. That's true for me. Mm-hmm. Are you saying you're better than me? Right, right, because right. Because that right. would be, I know you're not, right. and that That's would be a right. different conversation. That's right. We all have areas where we need to learn to be yeah, more responsible. you know what you did. It's not a big deal, but you, you need That's to. That's the world we're living in. Yeah, you need to work on it, yeah. That's uh, absolutely I think it's a lot of good stuff. I think to take one more kind of meta look at this idea, uh, as Jed is saying, this is often people who are just trying to get away with something. They want to go back to... Uh, trustworthiness. And one of the, this is the, you are Christian, you have to trust and forgive me, is one of the favorite kind of manipulations of people who aren't very Christian. Uh, That's a favorite uh, non-Christian family member wants to get away with something Mm -hmm. thing we hear a lot. Um, And, but even Christians get away with it. And it's based on a fundamental misunderstanding of the way Jesus forgives. We're talking about the Bible says, forgive people as Christ gave, forgave you. He always does. It is constant. It is forgiveness. It is not cheap. 
Yeah, it is not right. come to, it is not flippant. It is not just, yeah, I got to forgive this guy to do him. You know, Christ forgave you via shedding blood right. on a cross. This idea, I think another thing that's kind of tied into this is this idea of, well, if I'm going to forgive somebody, it has to be immediate. Forgiving someone like Jesus does means immediate and total, and it's not a process, and I don't work through emotions, and I just forgive him because yeah. I have to. That's actually the opposite of Christ-like forgiveness. Christ's forgiveness was Christ forgiving you was a choice he made based in love that was a huge cost to himself. And so when you anytime someone's trying to forgive you, like anytime it's just forgive. You just have to forgive him. Well, just forgive him. There's no just. Yeah. Forgive is not a small thing. It's it's a big deal. Jesus takes it seriously. You should take it seriously. And that helps you be honest about kind of those processes and the things that aren't involved in that. Because if forgiving someone's a big deal, then you certainly don't want to just lump on other extras that you don't have to do on that. That's right. right? I think it's a good way to keep kind of this uh, the perspective on this. All right. Once again, we want to thank uh, Chad Matson of Unspoken for uh, sitting down and joining us. A lot of fun talking. Again, the album is Follow Through. It comes out this Friday, August 26th. You can get, there, get that on Amazon, iTunes, anywhere you buy music. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumble.com, or check out the song this week. This is uh, a favorite bridge worship song of Jez, a song called Bigger Than My Fears. Yeah. Touched on a lot of stuff we're talking about in the episode, so we hope you enjoy that. Check out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. The Say That Podcast holders of the gold medal for world record wisdoming. Very nice. God, I'm here and I'm laying down. I'm afraid of here and now Cause I'm tired and I need you to take this off of me I'm not in control I can't fix it on my own
day Cause I'm out, I need more So that's what I'm asking for Cause I'm out, I need more So that's what I'm asking for